Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. This is Pete Mitchell. Hey, church planner, church planner, church planner. Right? Like baseball. Hey, batter, hey, batter, hey, batter, hey, batter. Oh, hey, look, that sports talk. Are we? Are we yeah, what? And I They're a bad influence on us. Listen to me. I'm like Robert and the other guy. <laughs> hey, planner, 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 planner. The other guy, the new Pete, where no one remembers him. Oh, yeah. Well, on the first episode, he talked about being naked. And I was like, whoa, whoa, we don't even know each other. What are you doing? I don't remember that. I must have blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones. I guess I missed my cue. And this is Pete Mitchell. I guess we're starting all over again. Yes, I guess so. So, hey, brother, what's uh, what's happening in your life? What's crack-a-lacking? Dude, I've been... I've been working like crazy. And it was so funny the other day. I literally thought to myself, wow, this sucks. I don't like working. <laughs> yeah. I'm so used to not having to work much. And I've been like going crazy because of this new uh, deal that I got going on. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know that I like this. I, I don't really know that I like working. It's not one of my top five things to do. Well, I feel like I figured you out recently because i listen hey train i listen to the audible version of the four hour work week and i'm like oh this is pete mitchell i really? feel like i've seen the pete mitchell blueprint i've never i've never read it dude he basically trains people uh or sorry he writes to people about doing what you do except he doesn't have the middle part i saw one of the best reviews of the book was you know those books where it's like, hey, here's the problem, and then it's got like the middle part about like, here's how to do everything, and then the third part of the book is, look at you, you're rich now. It goes, it's like it has the first and third part, but it's missing the middle. 
Oh, it's just like, how to. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's what Pete was giving people. But you literally like his philosophy and the stuff he's saying is all the stuff that that you did. See, here's the here's the reason why, you taught people how to do it. Here's the reason why me and my entrepreneur friends, like I know so many who haven't read that book. And it's because we look at the title, the four hour work week, and we go, that's baloney. <laughs> like, right, absolutely. like our gut instinct is that's, that's not real. Like, wh- why would I start off a lie with someone? You, you're not going to have a four hour work week. You, you're uh, going to work your tail listen, off. Listen, you, you get so much of his, like, if you go read the the comments, if you have the thing is, I know he doesn't work a four hour work week. Right. Right. So it's like, I don't understand. Well, like, I can't get past the title. I look at that title and I go, you were literally lying to people. You're lying oh, to people is, with yeah. your title. And people actually take him up on this big time in the reviews. It was pretty oh, funny. Because really? oh yeah. It was pretty funny. But I think I think I want to do the four hour church planner. I'm gonna write that Ooh. as a book. Yeah, man. And then I'm gonna have like, hey, here's, here's the problem. You know what that reminds me of? True story. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys were sitting on a bunch bed, a bus bench, and one guy's talking to the other guy, and he goes, "Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm an author." And the guy goes, "Oh, really? What did you write?" And he goes, "I wrote a book on how you can eat all the ice cream and chocolate and candy you want and still lose weight." And the guy goes, "Did it work?" And he goes, "No, but I sold 17 million copies." <laughs> That's what I think of when I hear four hour church planner. That's Does it so work? Right. Nope, but I sold nope. 17 million copies. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm working on the plantology pathway right now, which is um, it's, it's rad, man. Like we are building basically like a whole pathway. It takes you from uh, ministry prep to actual Paul's first missionary journey, walks you through all three. So you're ending with like a missional hub. Then it goes into innovative missiology. Um, That's kind of the pathway at a glance, but what, um, what I'm working on right now is the first step of it is what did Paul bring to the table as a church planner from the Old Testament? That's all he had. He had the Old Testament and he knew it really well. And the Old Testament is all about the revelation of God, like who God is. So Paul brings all this stuff to the table. Like, for example, um, when he says, hey, don't muzzle the ox while he's treading the grain. Why is he, why is he quoting Deuteronomy? Well, and then Paul knows this isn't about oxen. It's about God. He goes, is oxen God's concern about? No, it's a principle. Excuse me. So Paul takes this and he applies it to ministry. So what what I've kind of been working on right now is this rad project of, and this was in plantology. It's one of the things that made, made the book unique was I did a bit of work on what Paul brought from the Old Testament, like what he knew. Well, we're expanding this. And one one of the things that I've got in there is a work ethic. Like, you know, the, the whole idea of God being a judge and giving you opportunity and giving you life. Like Jesus talks about it later, the parable of the talents. There's actually a, a robust bit of teaching about, like even Proverbs, you know, the sluggard does this. Or, you know, he squanders the opportunities that God gives to him. Um, everybody has the same hours of the day. But I'm I'm geeking out on that right now. So I love talking about work ethic 
um, from the scripture. There's so much on it, you know. Paul outworked everybody, and he would say things like that. I outworked them all, he says. That's crazy. Well, you know, too, if you think about it, work came before the fall. We were designed to work. We are designed to work. Some I mean, some of us like, work harder than others. <laughs> I, I don't actually like working, but, you know. <clears throat> oh, my gosh, dude. Uh, I, I don't really have any smack, except that um, this week I, I actually had Hugh Halter and Alan Hirsch and me in our church plant. And this week was a small week. I think there's like 30 people in the room. It wasn't very hey, big. Hey, did you like my comment? in the uh, the facebook group or the 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 text group after you posted that picture and you're like alan hirsch and Hugh alter i haven't i haven't um you didn't the, see my reply i i actually didn't post that i we hired a no, social no, no, in media our text group in our text oh group. no i didn't see that what did that say you put a picture, it was a picture of them like sitting by the fire or something <laughs> you're all alan hirsch and you halter and that was all you said and I put a picture of me and I go, Pete Mitchell. <laughs> That's funny. Well, the funny thing about that picture was Hugh's doing this full video. And I I don't know if I sent you guys the video or the picture, Just but picture. I pan over. You can actually see it on Hugh Halter's wall because I sent it to him. I pan over while Hugh's recording this talk and on the sofa uh, behind Alan Hirsch had just crashed out. Like he's just, he's he's gone. And so I, if I had posted that on social media, I would have been like, one of us was working. One of us was not. <laughs> I did the best endorsements uh, with these guys where I took the mic uh, for a new breed. I took the mic and I, we filmed them. And so they'd start moving their mouth like a bad Kung Fu film. And I would do my voice. I'd go, hi, I'm Alan Hirsch. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry, but that reminds me of the greatest sound clip we ever had on the podcast. Mm. And, and for those of you who haven't heard it, you missed out on the greatest oh, sound clip. Peyton sent me this, this. I don't remember if you texted it to me or you emailed it to me, but I'm listening to it while I'm cooking dinner. And it's the scene from Karate Kid where Mr. Miyagi is talking to uh, uh, to Daniel and he's like, uh, great. Uh, <laughs> remember, how, I don't. Even, I can't even do the quote now. I don't even remember, remember the quote. Karate, like crossing road. You go, you go too much right. You know, uh, or no, uh, I don't remember the quote either. It was, uh, he was saying either. you got to go. You got to go. Oh, uh, you, church planning. There is church planning. Do or no uh, karate church do or karate karate do not or something. Squish like grape. He's the middle of road. Squish like grape. So I, but, I, but I tried my hand at it. With, you had overlaid it with church planter. Like, literally, it's Mr. Miyagi and then church planter. I'm like trying to cook dinner and I'm dying. I am just dying listening to this quote. Oh and you're God. like, yeah, does, does my voice sound like Mr. Miyagi's? I'm like, no, it sounds like <laughs> it's baby. so bad. It's so bad. It goes like this. Remember, and then I go church planting. Do <laughs> or church planting. Do not. <laughs> oh, dude, it was great. I gotta see if I can find that because that was just one of the best ever. I sent you. I think it was in a bunch. I sent you like thirty. Do you remember when I sent you like thirty 
Miyagi things. Oh, yeah. It was like your birthday, and I sent you like 20 or 30. Yeah, because you had Tyrone do a whole bunch of Mickey Mouse and yeah stuff. Yeah, we did a bunch of voice. Stuff uh, sorry, uh, the uh, Church of <laughs> formerly known as White Tyrone. <laughs> as White Tyrone, yes. That was still one of the best to me is uh, he literally introduces himself to us at Exponential as I'm the only White Tyrone you'll ever meet. So we used to call him White Tyrone on the podcast. And he calls us up and he's like, hey, man, can you can you not call me White Tyrone <laughs> on the podcast? So we went Prince on him. Back when Prince called himself the artist, he, he changed his name to a symbol. And we would say this stuff like, Tyrone is no longer a, a, a person. He's a symbol. He's more powerful. He is the church planner formerly known as White, as White Tyrone. Tyrone. Oh, my gosh. And then he just loved it after that. He's like, all right, you can keep calling me the formerly known as White Tyrone. <laughs> you know you know what's funny is, you know, I, like I walk in some pretty serious circles now and people would be like, oh, man, I've been reading Plantology and I'm listening to you. And I always shudder. Like, oh, you know, like, what are you listening to? Like, I have eight, you know, I'm respectable now, but we we had this and I'm not. That's the problem. But I I feel like if you listen to this podcast, you realize what a knucklehead. And we said that, right? We set out saying they need to know that it's you and the Holy Spirit. You are a knucklehead. So we'll be knuckleheads. So I was listening back to episode seven because you said that's the one that we're going to review today. And I was like, dude, I did not realize that our first listener was Joey Roper. Right. That's dude, why he was our whipping boy. For years. Oh my gosh. Yes, for we did. Year. He was the first one. Well, he left a review and it was not a five star. Are you sure? I don't know I'm that pretty he did sure. That. I don't think he did that. I don't not my Joey Roper. Not I my was Joey pretty Roper. Sure, because we used to we used to he changed it. I think he gave us a lower one. And then he <laughs> changed it after we abused him horrifically on the podcast. And that just became so. a, I don't no? think he did. I don't think he did. I think he was one of the, cause he had, like you said in the podcast, he reached out to you and I don't, I don't think he was one of the ones that didn't like oh, it. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. He might've been one of the guys that I trained when I first got, I did this thing called fit for he the He was field. in Germany. I don't think he trained him. He was in Germany. Well, I think, I think he might've, yeah, it could be. It could be. He might. There was like thirty planners that I trained for like a couple weeks. They were there for about a month. They all came to Calvary Costa Mesa, and ironically, they had me. Broderson had me come uh, train, and um, me and another guy did it. And and that was a mistake. He'll never make again. That's when I met um, Daniel from Florida. Um, I met oh, no, so no, many kidding. people. Oh yeah, yeah. so many. Um, Oh shoot, I'm forgetting names, but um some of my new breed guys came out of there. There was tons of people I met in that thing. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so we should probably review our uh, our episode. Yeah, the haters gonna hate, right? That was we were talking about the haters and the you know, uh don't don't let the the bad ones get you down kind of thing. Um, the one where we deal with the haters. And that that was great because we got that letter, um, which was, uh, you know, it, it was from someone saying, hey, man, you didn't love me. So I, I love this because I actually have a, I had a different perspective coming out of it this time around post-COVID. Interesting. So I, I, you know, this is part of what we do. If you're new to the podcast, 
Um, we are taking our old episodes uh, because we're lazy. That actually probably be less work for us just to do brand new episodes than to be listening. So maybe we'll change at a certain point. But we thought, oh, that's a real easy win, real easy ask for us. But uh, we're going to go ahead and um, let you listen to what we did. This one's probably going to be a little bit longer. It has an amazing letter from Michael Cheshire that you got to hear. In fact, um, I'm going to print that letter out and and keep it. I'm going to frame it and uh, put it up on my mirror so I can look into it every day and praise its wonderfulness. So, uh, But listen to the episode, and we'll see you on the other side. And in this gig, you got to laugh a lot. And we got an email, um, you know, again, keeping on that theme about fighting. And uh, we, we got an email about a guy who, you know, he. this is how Charlie sends it to me. Um, it says, somebody didn't love our church as much as we do. And, and it was funny because someone emailed our church website and, uh, and I, and, and I love Charlie's sense of humor. Um, but when I read it, it made me mad. And so, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about, uh, different, uh, ways in which, you know, people write in or make you mad or you get, you, you get criticism. We'll have a much better podcast to talk about dealing with criticism, although we'll, we'll hit on that. But really what we want to talk about today is, is, you know, keeping your focus uh, when people are trying to take you away from that focus, because what people do is they'll uh, they'll kind of, you know, come at you from from all different angles, particularly when you're church planning um, and they'll want to set the agenda for you. And so, you know, in, in future, what Pete and I are going to do is we're going to go through and we're going to talk about um you know, step by step, how do you plan a church? That's one of the things we want to do on the Church Planner podcast is kind of go through all of the checklist, all the things that you need to know, ways that you need to think, uh, things you need to prep for, uh, you know, ways you need to arm yourself for, for battle and in the, in the coming onslaught uh, spiritually. But, but sometimes, you know, you just take friendly fire. And, and the danger of when people come in and telling you, hey, you suck in this area or, you know, this, this is something that, that, uh, you need to do is often people come to a church plant and they see it as weak and vulnerable. And maybe in a more established context, they haven't been able to push their agenda through and they've been sidelined or simply ignored. And then they come to this small little tight knit group. And, you know, it's kind of like when you watch the old Warner Brothers cartoon, Hey man, it's, it's rabbit season, you know? Um, you know, I, I want to shoot rabbits and in a church plant, you know, it's fill in the blank. It's it's duck season, rabbit season, porky pig season, whatever. They will always think it's the place to push their agenda. It's going to be whatever season they want it to be. And so, you know, here here's the email. Here's a body of the email. I attended your church today. I find it would be a whole lot better for the message to match the actions of the people. A lot was said from the pulpit of how friendly this new church is, but my experience is less than that. I spoke with one person total, and I approached him. I passed several of your pastors entering and exiting, along with dozens of other people, and not one person initiated conversation with me. I have been a believer for over 50 years, and I have been a non-believer and a first-time visitor. Oh, sorry. No, I I misread that. And had I been a non-believer and a first-time visitor, it would have been my last time visiting. I pray this was just a bad day at Refuge. And it's not the rule, but rather the exception. Fun. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, huh? <laughs> Woohoo. 
So, so what was funny is that, you know, of course, uh, you know, Char- Charlie's laughing about, but I got mad. Um, I looked, I looked at the email. I hadn't even left church yet. I looked at the email and I saw the name and I went around to all the people I didn't know. I was like, Hey, I'm Peyton. What's your name? And I was hoping to find this guy. I was just waiting for someone to say, my name is such and such. And, uh, and he didn't, cause I wanted to talk to him right then. Like I was, I was ticked off and, uh, and, and I was going to rebuke him. You know, and and I've learned like kind of over the years, don't deal with stuff right then on the day. Um, give it give it a little bit of time. So again, we're talking about that short man syndrome. Oh yeah, it came out. Well, and it wasn't. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, I well, I was just gonna say I was in the car when I think you read it to Andrea because we were driving somewhere, coming back from the baptism or something. What were we doing? Because I heard it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was the baptism day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was actually. So there was a lot of people we didn't recognize. There was tons. We were doing a, an outreach uh, barbecue in the park afterwards, going back to Bixby, kind of legendary, some of the outreach. And that was an awesome time. And then we had a baptism. So we, uh, uh, a guy who had gotten saved fu- funny enough on the night that Church Zero launched, he got, he got saved at the book launch. So that was kind of cool, him and his buddy both. But he wanted to get baptized. He did not want to wait. And, uh, so we were doing that. So there was a lot going on. You know, plus we were serving breakfast that morning, uh, at the church. So there was tons. So, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll go through kind of what my, my gut reaction was, and then we can talk about it, how to deal with it. Well, I'll tell you what my reaction was first, because I was listening to it in the car as you were reading it to Andrea. And my first reaction was I got defensive. So I, I was like the opposite of you and apparently the opposite of Charlie too. So I was like, well, you know, I don't like meeting people, you know and I'm thinking? And, and then I, I'm going through a, a moment of shame, you know, maybe I just need to get over myself and, and, you know, just, you know, bite the bullet and meet people and, you know, the things that I'm totally uncomfortable doing, you know, that, that's, that was my reaction when I, I had that was just the shame. Oh, okay. Pete, you should have played at a, a higher level. You know better. Yeah, absolutely. And and so here's here's kind of the thing is that um, th- that's exactly what I was saying. In fifty years as a believer, you know, you ought to have been um, approaching people. That was my that that's what I was going to tell them. Just go up to them and say, "Hey, so and so," and then and then just say, "Hey, I got your email." And you know, I'm I'm actually. If, if I were you, um, I'd actually be, you know, ashamed of 50 years of believer. You ought to be seeking other people out, not coming in expecting that everybody is going to serve you. And so, you know, I, that's how I was. I was all cheesed off. And then I gave it like 24 hours and then I cooled down a bit. But um, but but I'll tell you the, the first thing the the reaction that kicked off of me wasn't a defensiveness for me. What it was for me is is more of a shepherd thing, and this has kind of happened. Um, and, and you'll notice this happens with church plants. When it happens in a big church, nobody notices, but when it happens in a church plant, it can demoralize your team. And I've kind of learned over the years when I got people in a church plant situation, and they're pouring themselves out for that church. They could be in another church that's giving them goodies, and you know um, they're getting all kinds of kudos for it. And when they're in a church plant, man, they are just there because the love of Christ compels them. And so there's this kind of shepherd bone that, that gets picked in me when 
and, and it gets my back up. I, I, I start feeling a little bit more like a shepherd, kind of like when Jesus uh, was picked on, or, or at least his disciples were picked on, you know, when the Pharisees came and said, hey, how come your uh, disciples don't observe the laws of Moses, you know, the, the traditions of the fathers, and don't wash your hands before they eat? And Jesus just whacks them. He just lets them have it. He goes, you know what? You nullify the, the commands of God for the traditions of men. And, uh, and, and, and so that, that's kind of what was going on with me is I, I wanted to whack the guy, but not because he offended me, but because I felt, felt the sheep were being attacked. I felt like these guys were, um, you know, these guys, and I know they're pouring their blood, sweat, and tears, that a, a guy was just standing on the sidelines like a Pharisee, not willing to lift a finger but to sit back and to criticize these guys that I watch week after week pouring blood, sweat, and tears into that place and anyone who walks through the door. You know, if they, if they need hours of counseling, you know, at Bonomo be there chatting with them. You know, Charlie will uh, give people money. I mean, all, all kinds of amazing stuff happens on a weekly basis. Do people fall through the cracks? Of course, because we're human and we're not God. But, uh, but that, that was what was going through my head. So Charlie gives money. That's what I took from that. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Yeah, but I'm, I'm only telling you that because he's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to need all of it now, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, it, I I remember when we were talking about it in the car because you guys, I, I thought it was amazing. Both you and Andrew had the same kind of uh take on it. And that is, you know, this is a guy who's got the wrong impression of church. He believes that the church is there to serve him. The church is there to make him feel good and cater to his needs and all of that type of stuff. And I, it was probably you that brought up, you know, you've been saved for 50 years. Why aren't you the one leading the charge in that? You know, church isn't about you. It's it's about the community. It's about, you know, the fellowship. And it is about reaching the lost. And, um, now I I that kind of you know took me out of my my shame phase, but yet at the same time I was still like you know I I certainly could have played at a higher level. I mean I, I've shared this on the podcast. I don't mind public speaking. I love public speaking, but I'm an introvert. You know the the some of the tests between an introvert and an extrovert is how do you like to recharge your batteries? So an extrovert loves to be around people. That's how they recharge. An introvert loves to be by themselves. That's how they recharge. And I am 100%. That's me. And so it, it's always a struggle for me to break out of that when I'm in any kind of public setting. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, you know, I, I definitely felt and still feel like, well, I need to be playing at a higher level. Like, you know how we did the, the horseshoes when we were in the uh, community center at, at Bixby Park? Yeah. And yeah. finally, I just told you, look, I can't do this, man. I'm not good leading this small group because I basically got to meet people every week, and it's it's killing me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you I, know, it's funny because I, I I can meet people. Like, that's part of the apostolic wiring. But I tell you what, like, I'm I'm staying in the Ronald McDonald House right in in, in Minneapolis right now, and we're adopting this baby. And I've been up two mornings in a row at 4.30, which on California time is 2.30. And I'm not getting to bed till late anyways. So this morning, someone wanted to talk to me. And I so felt like Pete Mitchell on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I felt like the whole time she's talking to me, I'm being polite. But I'm feeling like, go away, go away. 
<laughs> I don't want to talk to you at all. Shut up. And, 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 and it was so true. Cause I'm like holding this teeny baby feeding it, you know? And, uh, and she's trying to talk to me about all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it, it's funny because I think that's one of the, the, the greatest ministry insights about this whole thing is like Steve Timmis, for example, he's a total introvert. And uh, we had new breed, a, a guy who was going to be planning a church um, out of pillar and uh, over in the UK. And I was meeting with Steve and I said, Steve, I got a guy. Um, he's an introvert and I'm concerned because, you know, th- this seems to be an extroverts game. And he said, no, he said, doesn't really matter. He goes, I'm an introvert. And those of you that know Steve Timmis, um, he's the uh, head of Acts 29, Western Europe and author of uh, Total Church. Um, really the pioneer of house, house church movement. Um, whereas in America, they're just getting started with that. Uh, Steve and the gang uh, started their movement um, up in Sheffield, uh, Crowded House Ministries like 30 years ago, um, maybe more than that now. And, uh, and, and so he just said, you know, I'm an introvert, but I just have people around me who aren't. And I'm, I'm sure somewhere, Pete, in the, in the, in the makeup, of how God puts people together, they both serve a valuable purpose because he, he created our temperaments. But I, I think another thing is that um, most people in ministry, if we're honest, we hate people. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, it's true. I, I once heard a pastor, his name was Romaine, and uh, he was Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel's right-hand guy, and he was like a grumpy drill instructor. Um, whereas Chuck was just oozing love and everyone's like, Oh, that's like totally the, the after effects of revival and the Holy spirit dripping off the guy. Romaine was just like, shut up. You're an idiot. You know, and he would say it, he would just talk like that, but he would, he would talk like him, you know, he would talk to himself like he was nothing. He'd tell you all this false. He was very Frank, um, old Marine, uh, you know, kind of crusty old veteran. And uh, just a no-nonsense guy. He was like the Ralph Cramden of, of Christian ministers. And, I, I, you know, I, I just remember him saying once he was a union pastor, you know, nine to five, you know. And, and he says, why is it always that the ugly people come at 10 to five on a Friday night? He goes, you know who the ugly people are. He'd be like, oh, pastor, you know, my, 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 my wife doesn't love me. And he just, he just said, I just wanted to say, shut up. You're an idiot. Go read your Bible. <laughs> he doesn't have that shepherd then. <laughs> no, he's de- definitely not the shepherd. He, he's, he's the Pete all. Mitchell pastor. I like it. <laughs> exactly. But, but you know, that's how I feel. Like I, I relate so much to Romaine because in the natural, um, I just, I just, I hate people. It's a big, big weird thing with me is I got a lot of anger. I got short man syndrome. We've, we've talked about that a little bit, but you know, I grew up in a very angry uh, house, a lot of violence. Um, and, and, and I, I just developed a dislike for people. And um, when I got saved, a lot of that had to get dealt with, but a lot of it stayed and still there to this day. And I think about the apostle Paul, right? God calls him as a church planner. He's going to have to be in the marketplace. He's going to have to be around people. That guy was a Pharisee. Like Spurgeon said, he was probably more at home among the books and more at sea amongst men. But the reality is the Apostle Paul, um, he talks about this supernatural love that drives him on. And I can just imagine, and I, I know I feel it in Long Beach. 
where I'll be talking to people that, you know, like most people, you want to recoil from, you know, uh, LA or Long Beach or places like cities like that where it's just like a, a cesspool of just sin and vice and you just think man i just just that place is an armpit of humanity just leave it alone to stink and sweat by itself and i sense at times i'm there i i don't have enough money in my pockets to give away you know i don't have enough time to sit down like i feel like nothing's too much all of a sudden i get there and this supernatural love comes through me and i feel that when i'm ministering i've learned that i shouldn't be so upset about how much peyton jones the jerk dislikes people um, that, that actually the Holy Spirit in me loves these people and he loves them through me and he caused me to do things. So when I walk away, I'm like, dude, that was not Peyton Jones. Peyton Jones is a butthead, man. That was Jesus loving on that person. And there are times I'll be talking to people and I just feel this love of Jesus coming through me. And I know it's not me. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. And by the way, for everyone, for everyone, for the one listener we've got, let me, let me rephrase that. Jerry. Um, oh no! Wait, wait! I got a I got an email uh, this week. His name's not Jerry. Um, <laughs> he was correct. Hey, he refer to Jerry me up, correct. Way, but there is a guy. <laughs> there, there was a guy who emailed me this week and said, "Oh, by the way, I listened too." And I said, "Well, we made up Jerry, so now we'll use your name from now on." <laughs> Jerry doesn't even exist. See, I thought <laughs> now Jerry... we actually do. Now we do have one listener. <laughs> I thought I thought it was uh, Jerry, the like uh, worship leader that we we have at Refuge. I thought maybe that's who you're referring to. No, yeah, you know Guess what? Not. I I think it was. No, I think it was yeah. him. Actually. Well, anyway, I was just going to say, every once in a while, there's a little bit of bad audio on your side, and that's because you are doing this adoption. You're in Minnesota, and we we've got to like do this crazy Google Hangout recording. I mean, I've got so many cords going every which way, it's ridiculous. So that's just a, a little fair notice there uh, to everyone. But something that I wanted to, to bring up, um, I was listening to uh, another podcast called the Everyday Disciple or Everyday Discipleship Podcast. Uh, it's a relatively new podcast. Um, I don't remember the guy's last name. His first name is Ryan, uh, and, and he does this podcast. I actually haven't heard it in a couple of weeks, so I don't know if he uh, he stopped it or, or what, which, by the way, um, the average podcast only lasts uh, seven episodes, and then people give up. So we're here on lucky seven. So if we do one more, we've already bucked the trend and, and beaten the average. Um, but anyway, uh, listening to this podcast, it was really insightful. He was interviewing, I want to say it was someone else, uh, another pastor on staff with him at his church plant. And the guy said, something that I could totally relate to and that he used to have a lot of problems with certain types of people. You know, there, there are some types of people who we don't get along mm-hmm. well with. Yeah. And one of the things that he said that just really, I mean, I, I can't get this thought out of my head at all. I can't get this thought out of my head. So I'll, I'll share it. He said, until I realized, yeah, but they're made in the image of God. And so when I say I don't like certain types of people, it's like I'm saying I don't like certain parts of God. I don't like certain aspects of God because that person is still made in the image of God. And God is so great that there's no one human that could display all of God's image, you know, other than Jesus Christ because he was God, right? And yeah. 
so when we and so he goes, I've, I've become very cautious about when I say I don't like certain types or I don't like certain people. And I, I got to tell you, man, that like kneecapped me when I heard that because I've always dealt with. Uh, and, and Jamie will tell you this, man. When we first started dating, she would say, you know, there are some people who you just don't like, and you know, when someone's on your bad list, they're totally on your bad list. Like they don't they don't get on your good list, <laughs> and. And it's true. It's like when I write someone off, I'm like, all right, you're dead to me, man. You you crossed me. That's it. You know, I'm not going to go out of my way to be mean to you, but I'm not going to go out of my way to ever talk to you again for as long as we live. You know, it's like and and so one of my friends, um, he and I have had an on again, off again friendship and and his personality is one that that just grates on me. <laughs> and even though he's been a best friend, right? I mean, there there were you know whole years of my life when I mean I, I'd go out for my my weekly uh, burger and a beer over at Islands, and it would be like, hey, dude, it's Thursday, you want to go? Sure, you know we'd we'd go. And um, and I was it was I was <laughs> I was joking with Jamie, and it was it was after I heard this guy's podcast, and I'm like, oh man, you know what? Even though he totally grates on me. And it's his personality. It's totally his personality type. And I'm like, yeah, but he's made in the image of God. And so when yeah. I'm sitting there going, the guy's a jerk, the guy's this, that, and the next, I'm like, you know, I got to check that. And so I was joking with Jamie. I go, I go, you know what? I, I got to I gotta forgive Mike. And she starts laughing. She goes, you think? <laughs> and it was like, oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know. Maybe that's just taking me a little bit longer to to learn that lesson, but um, I I don't know what got me started on that subject. Something about no, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome because I think you know that's like a living example where like theology you know meets practice, and and that's it, man. That's that's like the epistles. That's what you find. It's just cool, man, because God uses all of us with all these idiosyncrasies, with all of our uh, incompleteness, our our flawedness. And he still uses us. And so, you know, there's guys out there as church planners going, man, there is hope for me because, hey, Peyton and Pete are pretty screwed up, man. And, Especially uh, if, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that. You know, I, I, I'm thinking, here's, here's what happens. Either either it just becomes the Peyton Church Planner podcast because Pete's so screwed up, or it becomes the Pete Church Planner podcast because I became one of those guys that was too irritating to Pete. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know one of those two things happen if one of us drops off this podcast. I'm sure that's but, not the uh, case, little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> let me at him. Let me at him. All right, Scrappy D is kicking in now. Well, you know, it, so, another so, thing along those lines is uh, I, I was talking with my my folks were over a few months ago. I don't know why they were down. They usually only my my folks are in San Francisco. We're in L.A. They usually come down when someone dies. I mean, that's that, that's what brings them down, right? So, um, so they were over at my house, and I was I was making some crack, and I was telling them, I go, yeah, you know, I I don't like praise music. Like, I can't stand praise music. The thing that most people are like, oh, you know, I love that church because the worship is so great. And I'm like, dude, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. And and I said this one time to Jamie, I'm like, no one listens to this stuff any other time than Sunday morning. That's the only time someone would listen to this. And she goes, I listen to it. 
And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. right. You're one of the people that actually does listen to the the fish <laughs> radio station. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and it was funny because I, I'm saying this to my mom and my dad. My mom and my dad, you know, we've got this weird dynamic relationship as, as most sons and their parents do, right? And it's, please don't misunderstand me. It's not that I don't love my parents. It's, that's not the case at all. I do, you know, but but it's just, you know, it's the typical I, I'm an adult. They still see you as a kid kind of a you know, family dynamic. And so, uh, and my mom, as soon as I said, you know, and Jamie said that she listens to that, my mom was like, Oh good. Cause I listened to it too. (laughs) And I I said, (laughs) I go, yeah, but you know what? I I realized though, it church isn't about me. Like it's not about please and Pete. And I, I, you know, you look back at uh, some years ago, they used to say, and I don't know if they still do, but the the number one cause of church splits is a, a change in music. And I don't know if that's still the case, um, but you know, I remember growing up and it was hymnals. That's what you sang out of was hymnals. And I absolutely cannot stand hymnals. I mean, like that would be worse than nails on a chalkboard. I, I probably couldn't go to that church if it was, if it was hymnals because it's just so not something I enjoy. Sure. But at the same time, church isn't about me, you know, and, and first of all, I'm saved, right? So, I'm going to get plenty out of the church just by being around other Christians and having that fellowship. But yeah. if having whatever that music is now, if, if having him music is what would bring in the lost, I'm sure I would suck it up and take it, but I'm not you know, in Florida. It's, it's so, so, you know, it's so funny that you're saying that because I, when I went to Lloyd Jones's church, they played pipe organ and had, you know, sung out of hymnals. And yet the preaching was fantastic. And the people there were amazing. And, and I weighed it up, you know, they, they brought me on board as uh, the evangelist and I had to weigh that, you know, and there, there was, there was a lot of tension in the church over the need to change and this and that, but you weigh these things. And I think, you know, kind of like how in church zero, I talk about the different roles um, the the, a lot of the teachers uh, in the body of Christ have moved and gravitated towards the reform side. And so it's like this give and take, you know, you're going to have, uh, contemporary dynamic worship in the Pentecostal circles that are being led more by prophet leaders um, on that spectrum that Paul gives in, in Ephesians four. And, you know, and it, it, you're going to, there, there's stuff that just goes along with certain things. And so there's give and take. Um, but, but I think you, you brought it down exactly to where it's at. What it always ought to come back to is not these minor things, but the major things is God glorified and are the reach are the lost getting reached. Cause because that's what it takes. That's the mindset that it takes for your people. If you're a church planner, that's the mindset it takes is that you're going to have to disciple everybody coming in on your core team. That, hey, bub, it ain't about you. Um, I love how Rick Warren starts his book off. It's not about you. And that that hits the bestseller list because deep down inside, people know that. Well, when you're forming a core team, and this will be a future podcast, um, that is one of the major, major things that you have to constantly hit at. It's just disappointing to me that a guy went 50 years in a church and even boasts about it. Hey, I've been around for 50 years. It's kind of like some leverage that he's got against us, some expertise, if you will, to tell us why we suck. And the reality is that he indicted himself 50 years on and you've not grown up in Christ. 
you've merely grown older in Christ. In other words, you don't have the maturity. 50 years as a believer, man, you ought to show up at any church ready to serve with your arms and your sleeves rolled up um, saying, hey, where do I get to work? 50 years on, man, join in, you know, jump into the game and uh, get your game on. Don't don't uh, stand on the sidelines and throw popcorn and peanuts at us. So, you know, that's kind of the deal. And, and every church planner will need to disciple his people that way so that they do not change the agenda. And I like, you know, uh, going on to the next part. Oh, by the way, our extra listener is Joey. Um, he's in Germany. Joey Roper. Oh, okay. so, uh, he's, he's the guy yeah, from so, Germany so, that I see the downloads from. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joey. He's, so he's our other listener. Hey, real quick, before we go on to Michael Cheshire, because I want to I talk about something that he posted that was amazing, uh, Let's, um, which is on this topic. Uh, tell, tell me about the, the downloading of um, – <laughs> tell me about I, – I, I heard it, but I don't retain Jack. But tell, tell the listeners about what's the exciting thing about this been happening with Church Planner Magazine worldwide. Well, I'm not sure exactly what you're specifically referencing, but I will say this. All the different countries. Well, all the different countries. Yeah, it's crazy. I haven't looked at it in a while, but the number one most downloaded country outside of the United States is uh, China, of all places, for Church Planner Magazine. Um it's not that way for the podcast. I don't know what it is for the podcast. It's been so long since I've looked at that because we have a lot more downloads of the podcast just because it's got, you know, an extra four weeks on the magazine. Sure. But um, I think that uh, it's it's really cool to me to see so many people in China downloading the magazine. Yeah, it's awesome. And I don't know if it's because of uh, the underground church in China. I don't know if it's... Um, a lot of programmers are based out of China, so it could be, you know, they're trying to look at the programming behind the app or something like that, and I, I don't know. I have no yeah. idea what it is. Who knows with China, man? There's so many people. I know that the, uh, the the number of people downloading the podcast is really probably just Joey downloading on his laptop, uh, <laughs> on his iPhone, on his iPad, and uh, that's the reason for our, our And we number. count every one of those as a single person. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Joey, for keeping us alive. No, I'm teasing. We, it, 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 you know, obviously people are figuring out we're, that's just a, a longstanding joke with us. But um, a guy who has really been getting my respect is Michael Cheshire. Now, I read his book because I got it free uh, off Kindle, uh, How to Knock Over 7-Eleven. I would pay money for that book. That was a crazy good book. Well, it's a good thing planet. that you said that because you can actually buy it now on Kindle for nine ninety nine. So absolutely, and uh, there's been a lot of cross promotion. Funny enough, so uh, Michael's also been shouting out about us, which is kind of cool. But I just have a lot of respect for him. It 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 takes a lot for me um, with some of the weird passions I have about church planning. You know, starting small, growing big. Um, sending out blah blah blah. You know, I'm I'm always a proponent of of starting small. Whether you grow big, if you grow big, then you send out. Mike Mike is a guy who has managed to be able to stay on the cutting edge despite his size. And it's it's more a mindset, it's more a passion and a hunger to impact. And he had a, a new book come out called Why We Eat Our Own, and that is now available. You can get that. I'm, Mike doesn't pay me to do this, but I, I just saw something that he posted on Facebook, and I loved uh, his candor. I loved his boldness in this because <clears throat> a, a, a famous guy once said to me, 
Um, he's, he's famous in the UK, a guy named Stuart Elliott, known, known within reform circles. But he said, uh, you know, God, church planters are usually bullheaded men. And, um, and, and then, uh, unfortunately, he looked at me and said, you make a great church planter, Peyton. <laughs> and, 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 and so I kind of took it as like a compliment, but an insult, which the British are amazing at doing, um, you know, backhanded compliments. They, they are silver tongued, but, uh, but, but Stuart's a great guy. And he, he made that comment. And I, I think it's true. You have to be bullheaded. You have to know the direction you're going. You have to charge. You have to be able to just not be deterred. Like it says about Jesus, um, he set his face like flint. Um, and he, he kept saying, I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer. Jesus knew where he was going. There are the, the, the musts of the Gospel of Mark, where Mark, every time he records Jesus saying something about his mission, there's this divine must. And so the church planner gets this, this must, this not, not musk, Pete, not, not what you have after you haven't showered, nice. which is not divine at all. It's most unholy, but, uh, but this divine must that, uh, you know, that, that, that you just sense what you have to do. Nehemiah had it. Daniel had it. These guys that just, Daniel knew he had to not touch any of the delicacies of, of the kingdom of Babylon. Um, Nehemiah knew that he had to go to Jerusalem and inspect the walls and rebuild it. There, there's this div- divine necessity that's laid upon you as a preacher sometimes, as a church planner. And no one can explain it, but you know what you're called to do. And so that's why we're talking about um, not being derailed or sidetracked. And I love what Michael Cheshire, part of, of Michael's brilliance is just that he is who he is. He's Michael Cheshire. And when you read that book, How to Knock Over a 7-Eleven and other ministry training, you just see a guy who's got a great sense of humor. He's a bit tongue-in-cheek about ministry. I definitely relate to that. I've told people repeatedly over the years that the biggest joke, the long-standing joke of my life is that God can use me. And so I usually got a smirk on my face when I'm doing ministry. No, no joke about it. I'm usually smirking about something. And part of that's just the fact that, hey, this is this is just hilarious to me that God's using me. Well, Mike posted this on Facebook on July 20th, and I just love the way he handled it. It shows a bit of a bullheadedness, but a guy who knows what he's called to do, knows how God's called him to do it. And this is what he wrote. It's a bit long, so buckle your seatbelt. He says, he references, and then he writes a letter. He says, I made a joke about drug use in a One Direction concert, and it apparently opened a door for many to lecture me. Um, I think it was something to do with the original joke was my daughter's asking me to go to a One Direction concert. Why can't she be into drugs like a normal teenager? In other words, uh, he really did not want to go to this One Direction concert. So I guess the convers- the comment was very controversial. So he says, not really knowing me. Um, he says, okay, so it apparently opened a door for me to lecture me, not really knowing me. Okay, enough already. You got my intention. Now allow me to answer you. I've had to ban 17 people already and delete comments because they just got evil and use the scripture to back it up. You want correction and truth? I can play. So he puts, allow me to give you a little Michael manifesto. (laughs) Okay, you know where that's going, right? So he says, uh, and this is a guy who's a very gifted writer. He says, saying I don't care about the effects of drug use is just unfair and shows you don't know me at all. I've had two horrible stories that involve drugs. Uh, Someone just, get off my phone. I hate this new Facebook message thing. Someone just interrupted me. You know, like when you're on Facebook, Yeah. Yeah, message me. Yeah. Yeah. And so this little circle comes up. 
Hey, I'm doing a podcast. Back off, pal. So, okay. So it says, I have two horrible stories that involve drugs and people I love dearly that ended with me doing their funerals. I also was a drug and substance abuse counselor of a state agency for five years. I've been, which is funny because I was a psych nurse. He was a firefighter. I was a firefighter, psych nurse. He's done that. It's funny. There's a lot of overlap. So maybe except, we're both except he's taller. So, you know, whatever. He's big, dude. He could be Haas and I could be Little Joe. <laughs> he probably could. I've only seen the picture, so. Yeah, but he doesn't have a deep voice, though. Oh, okay. I think my voice is deeper than his, so I'd be like, hey, little buddy. Or I'd call him big buddy. I'd have the Haas voice. He'd <laughs> you have call him anyways. tiny. You know, the, anyway. Go <laughs> you know, if Michael listens to this, he's going to pound me next time. Anyways, I have been well aware of the, well away, oh, typo. All right. Well aware of the effects of drugs and more on the front lines, and of the effects of this, many of you hold me suspect for my comments. How do you know one of my kids doesn't have this battle as well? You see, you don't, so you don't assume. Look, if you want to compare compassion about a subject, then you need to understand I come with a pretty long resume in that area alone. If you want to be offended, then you will be no matter what is said. Grow up, Peter Pan. The world is not a nice place, and humor is healing. You know, that's so funny, man, because when I was a firefighter, when I was a nurse, those guys have wicked senses of humor because they're dealing with like life and death, black things all the time. And you just, you, you just develop a very black sense of humor to deal with that kind of stuff. But he goes on, he says, and you're not a humor judge. Our actions will define us in life. Now let us understand humor for a minute because some of you Christians seem to think that you can't have it in your life unless it's as neutral as a Lucille Ball special. Humor is how many of us make sense of a really tragic and dark world. If you think I'm a bad person because of it, then please just unfollow me and move on with your life. My humor is not going away, no matter how many scriptures I'm pointing to the finger you do. Critical people who desire to correct and steer my comments need to understand they're exposing themselves as a person with little ability to learn or laugh as well. And people who use scriptures as missiles to be controlling are, in many people's eyes, the issue with why many Christians are leaving the church altogether. For the record, mean comments don't affect me at all, not one little bit. I just remove them, laugh, and ban really mean-spirited people. It's funny how many of us think we know the heart of others from just a few postings. It's fine to disagree, but maybe spend some more time pressing your imaginary dislike button and think things through from all sides. And don't get ticked off when your comments are moved. Just because your comment on this site doesn't is on this site doesn't mean it'll stay up. You're entitled to your opinion, but not always on my Facebook page. If you disagree with me and want your comment to stay up, then you have to play nice. Maybe try to understand that many people with humor have had the worst experiences imaginably in life. Watch some documentaries on comedians. You might be surprised at the level of their pain. I personally spent years as a professional firefighter and had to deal with things I can still see in my head and feel in my heart. It was only my God-given gift of humor that helped me not become an alcoholic or drug addict of some sort. I almost went into comedy writing full-time because I found I did well at it and the doors opened. But instead, I felt called by God to take my gifts and serve as a pastor, leader, writer, uh, speaker, and humorist in the body of Christ. I may never be high on the Christian radar as other leaders. I may be a polarizing person because of my stance on certain issues or my edgy humor, but I will be me to the end. I will say things wrong sometimes. I'll act like a jerk sometimes. And often, I can't stop laughing in places I shouldn't laugh. Like every one of us, I'm a walking contradiction. I have tattoos. I won't let my kids get them right now. I've made decisions that hurt people close to me. I've done very self-sacrificing things. I've been a bully and a hero, sometimes both within the same hour. 
I've had unbelievable victories and horrible defeats. I have hurt people with my words and encourage others with the same mouth. I have lived long enough to understand that only people who have had failures in life really understand friendship. I'm unafraid of rejection and I'm willing to be persuaded to change my mind. To sum up, I'm a member of the human race and adopt a child of God with a lot of scars and a lot of history. But I am more than the judgments of strangers and until I die, I will be performing my best me each and every day from sunup to sundown for my family, friends, church critics, and most importantly, God. If you don't want to attend that, then the exit's here. But if you're staying around, welcome to my world. Hmm. And I just thought that that really was a strong uh, statement from a leader who knows where he's going, has done extraordinary things because of that. And so for church planners, you know, it, it's important that you do have a bit of that bullheadedness. Paul had it. Paul was able to stand up. You know, it says that he confronted Peter right to his face because of hypocrisy. And, and so, you know, when you come into church planning, you are going to have battles and you are going to sometimes have to, to not be a jerk about it. Like, I think if you walk around with bravado and short man syndrome, you need to be whacked down a bit. You know, we're, we're joking about short man syndrome, um, but, but really... If, if you're walking around like that as, as a pastor, just thinking, yeah, you know, I need to whack people, not cool. But in a church planning situation, you will have people that will try to change the direction of your church, and you are going to have to whack them. Um, never forget that uh, going to a, a, a conference, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Truth for Life, Alistair Begg. He was meeting with a bunch of pastors, and someone said, how do you handle criticism? And he said, well, he said, I, there's a lot of good stuff about how to handle criticism and this and that. But he goes, but I hear in my ministry so much with the radio broadcast and so much in my church and this and that. And he said, and I've learned over the years, and I always tell young ministers this, that when Mrs. Jones comes up uh, criticizing you about the music or trivial things, not important things, not things you should really take to heart, but he said really trivial things and is really upset. Um, he said, I, I picture people like that kind of like a little dog that jumps up at your knees. And he said, and I've learned to roll up the newspaper and just whack him on the nose. <laughs> he said, because, and, and always the first time he said, because if a dog jumps up on your legs and you don't whack them, um, they just keep doing it. And he said, so I've just learned with trivial things like that. That's what I do. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, yeah, I was just, right, gonna, I was just going to say that in, in this next, uh, issue of church planner magazine that we're putting the final touches on right now, uh, Mark Convoy has just a, a phenomenal article in there that speaks right to the heart of this. And, um, yeah. one of the things that I thought was such a great takeaway, you, you might even remember who he was. Uh, talking to another pastor, gave him some counseling on basically how to deal with with uh, criticisms and the, I think you should do this in church, or I think it should look this way, or it should look that way. And the comment that that uh, Mark received, or the, the advice that Mark received was, you know, the people who I listen to the most are the ones that are actually setting up chairs and taking down chairs. You know, basically the people who are actually doing stuff. Otherwise, it's usually just people who don't want to do anything, and they're just telling you what you should do. And that doesn't make any sense. I mean, in uh, in business, running basically what are considered all-volunteer uh, 
sales forces because when you're straight commission, it's basically volunteer. Every day you wake up, you're unemployed. If you're in real estate, if you're in financial planning, insurance, um, which uh, you know I ran a, I still do run an insurance company and a financial planning company. Everyone's unemployed every day. You got to get up and you got to go out there and get a new sale, or you don't make any money. <laughs> and people always want to tell you how you should spend your money. I think you should do this for your marketing. I think you should do that for your marketing. But they're not willing to spend their own money for their own business. And it's like those are the guys I don't listen to. I mean, I don't let yeah. anyone tell me how to spend my money. I don't. I don't care what you think I should do. You're not spending any of yours, but the guys who actually have something on the line, you know, and, and that's essentially what the guy was saying to Mark is that listen to the guys who are actually doing something. Otherwise, yeah, they'll always you know, be talking to you. Yeah. And it's so funny because Mark is one of those guys. Um, Mark is a church planner. I'm, I, I know Mark very well um, uh, over, over the years, but uh, he is he has an uncanny gift of wisdom. And that is. That is such, you don't often hear people say that, that that's who I listen to. And he's a church planner, you know. I remember something very similar in Wales. Uh, I was I was uh, in a church plant. The Lord was really moving. He was saving people. I mean, we had some incredible uh, situations where people were getting saved. And I remember we had a lot of young believers, new believers. And um, and they were college students and not not quite at the emotional maturity they could have been. And so they're a bit vulnerable to stuff like this because, like I said, it does tend to demoralize people. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it gets discouraging, you know, when, when you have these situations where somebody's real critical, kind of like that letter I got. But what had happened was I was running a little bit late that Sunday. And normally, you know, we haven't talked about this. We'll talk about it more. But uh, when the church plant started, even now, I, I probably get there a good hour before. Um, I live about an hour away, so <clears throat> and have have a daughter, um, so I don't always get there that early. But but by and large, most of the time I do. And um, you know, the, this particular time, I was there a little bit later. Might have been the sermon, whatever. But I got there, and everyone was really sad. And there was a lot of setup. This was Pillar. This is the one that we started out of Starbucks. And we were meeting in this amazing community center. We had to set up all the tables and chairs and sound. And everything had to be dragged out. Stuff was coming out of trailers. Stuff was coming out of storage rooms. Um, coffee was getting set up. And this lady had um, come in. She had sat there, probably like the guy who wrote the letter that we kicked off with today. And she had just watched everybody. And as soon as uh, the service was getting ready to start off, she stood up, she looked at the people next to her and said, I have sat here for 25 minutes and not one person has said hello to me. And she huffed out. Hmm. I got there and I said, what, what's going on, guys? You, you OK? And, uh, it was, you know, it's about maybe five, 10 minutes out from start time. And uh, and, and and they said, uh Oh, yeah. And they told me the situation. I said, you know what? Can you gather everybody that was here in the room? Because I just I can feel it, man. I walked in this place and you guys are so sad because they, they really took it to heart. Like it. They were like they weren't even sad for that. They were sad for her. Hmm. And they all gathered around. And I, 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 I said, look, guys, I said, uh, did anyone know that woman? And someone said, oh, yeah, she's a Christian over or something. And I said, OK, that's a game changer. We're not talking about a lost person because lost, lost people don't get pissed off at stuff like that. Right. Oddly. It's right. only Christians who get pissed off like that. So I said, so here's here's the deal. I said, first off, let me just 
let me just play Lieutenant Colombo here and ask you some questions. So what were you guys doing when this happened? They're like, well, we, we were setting up, you know, and one of them said, I, I guess we should have paid more attention to her. I said, wait a second, you, you were setting up. I said, I, I, I'm here during setup. I said, were you guys like working your butt off, getting the room ready? And they go, yeah. <laughs> I go, were you guys sweating? They're like, yeah. And, and again, that shepherd bone kicked in and I said, you know, bless your guys' hearts. Don't you feel better at all? You mean, okay, the, the woman indicted herself. What she said was, I sat here 25 minutes. So what you mean to tell me, she sat here watching you sweat and huff and puff and bust your butt so that she'd have a place to sit. She'd have coffee to drink. She could hear the sermon and worship. And you mean to tell me she sat there and watched you for 25 minutes and judged you and huffed out? Hmm. I said, I hope she never comes back. Hmm. And they all just went, huh. <laughs> I said, people like that don't make it in a church plant because it's all about them. And so, you know, it, it, it just come in full circle. <clears throat> I'm going to have to go because a social worker is coming to see if I'm a suitable parent. That's uh, <laughs> so I got to go and prepare for that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fix it in three minutes, man. You can't fix it in three minutes. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it, 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 the whole thing, Pete, you just hit the nail on the head in the beginning. You know, every, everything I've been amazed at, at today's uh, topic because uh, guys, church planning, you know, I'm, I'm amazed how much it's tied together and how it's, it, this is one of those podcasts where it just seems like every sentence has just tied back in. doesn't matter what I'm saying, what you're saying, that uh, there's a message here. And I, I hope our church planners get it. And that is that uh, you've got to know what God's called you to do. Don't be distracted when people take aim and snipe at you. Um, don't, you know, realize you're going to always feel like the idiot when this stuff happens, like you miss something, kind of like that group, room full of people. I remember hearing a story. I can't remember if it was Spurgeon or someone else, but he basically, in closing, he said this. He said that every week he would get to the pulpit, and I'm pretty sure Spurgeon told this story. He would get to the pulpit, and there would be the criticisms from the week before, but no signature. Hmm. And this went on, you know, week after week, and uh, Spurgeon said, you know, hey, I could learn from it. You know, it was great. You know, some, sometimes he was right. And, uh, and then one, one week there was a, a card, um, the same card, uh, and, and it obviously wasn't from the person. It, it was someone else had stuck it up there. I think it was like a card um, telling him, you know, someone who needed a baby to need to be baptized or something. But, of course, having the wicked sense of humor he did. He announced to the church, he said, you know, week by week, I've, I've come up here and I found uh, notes with, with no signature. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. No, I've told it completely wrong. It didn't have the name. Oh, I blew my own story. But he, okay, he gets up to the pulpit and it actually, it says uh, idiot on it. And, and that's all it says is idiot on the card. And uh, so he gets up there and he goes, hey, every week um, I get up here and there's a note but no signature. He goes, this is the first week that someone actually signed it, but left no note. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. And, you know, and, and that's just kind of the, the, the spirit off nature. You have to be able to laugh at yourself and you have to be able to laugh at other people because people are going to disappoint you and they're going to be like this and you're going to let people down. And it's best to let people know that in the beginning and then to refocus them and say, Hey guys, 
We're not here to be the perfect church. Jesus did not call us to do it. He called us here to reach a loss, and we're going to fail miserably. And if you got this, that, that, and that, and we'll talk about this more in a future uh, podcast, um, you know, that, that this is your agenda. Well, that's not our agenda. Our agenda is to glorify God and reach people, and that's it. And it just keeps it simple, and it keeps your people focused on the right thing. And it also gives you permission when people get off base and start focusing, majoring on minors, focusing on the wrong thing, gives you permission to say, hey, man, we're not here to do that. Pete, what'd you think? Oh, now we got to be official. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think? <laughs> well, you know, um, I actually, it was funny because when I was listening to it, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is, uh, so this must be a common thing that church planners got to deal with, pastors in general got to deal with, right? The the person who's complaining or whatever. And it's kind of funny to me because I don't know, I guess I just, I guess I just have a different personality. Like, like I'm really going to, well, like we said in the episode, I'm a massive introvert. So I would love it if no one came up and talked to me at church, I'd be like, um, that's the kind of church I want to go to where no one actually talks to me. But I was thinking about it and I was just thinking about, you know, the, uh, uh, how everyone treat you and, and all that type of stuff. And I remember back to this one church planner who will remain nameless for this. And uh, from time to time, I had supported their um, church plant financially. And I don't know how much or how often or anything like that. I just know that that's what had happened because he reached out to me and he was like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that this is what's going on. And, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to, um, shut down the church plant. And so I think what he was expecting was for me to be upset. And like, you know, I've been, I've been helping you financially and now you're going to close the church plant, you know, kind of like, I feel like I wasted money or something. Yeah. And I just remember the way that he was like approaching me and saying these things. I was like, dude, he must have to deal with that a lot from idiots (laughs) because I'm sitting there going, okay, you know, what do I care? Like God called me to do something at a certain time. How do I not know that what God wanted to happen happened? Like, I don't know who heard the gospel. I don't know whose life has been changed. I don't know if people have been saved from that or uh, just literally there was something that he needed to learn or, you know, I don't know, right? Like I couldn't care less if that's what God's called you on to the next step. It's not like, I feel like I lost anything. I did what I was called to do. And you did what you were called to do. And if now you're called to do something different, like I'm really going to have an issue with that. But it was funny to me because I'm thinking he must have to deal with this a lot, like church planners and pastors, because he's like really like tiptoeing into this conversation. And I don't know. I guess I was just a guy. I'm like, dude, I don't, I mean, whatever, man, do what you got to do. Do what God's called you to do. It's so funny because. Uh, I was just going through a brochure for a, a church planning network um, last week where they were boasting, you know, 93% success rate. And I think to myself, well, that means 7% failed first off. That's who you're telling me. Um, but it's weird how like they'll take credit for that. Like, how do you... How do you take, like, there's times I could tell someone was going to fail and I warned them and said, Hey, you know, I, I don't think a church plant where you particularly are, are, are where you need to be. 
Um, you know, like like there was one case where somebody um planted and I might have even mentioned this on the podcast where they had planted and they shouldn't have, and it collapsed and, and folded. And um, I was like, hey, you know, like I did try to warn you about this, but the 93% um, success rate to me is boasting in the what success rate? 93% success rate for their oh, planters. If you for go through what their planting? Network. Yeah, if if you go through their particular network, they were saying we have. I, okay, like first this. of all, I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? I don't believe it. <laughs> well, it's it's pastor numbers, right? It's always going to be like you know how many people came on Sunday. Um, you count the dog and the three year old yeah. and the two two and a half months. Yeah, or how many subscribers do we have? So we we have a saying around new breed where we constantly say. Is that pastor numbers or is that real numbers? And so it's funny because um, the 93, like <clears throat> you're either like so draconian and controlling it, like you're protecting your success. If that's your metric is success, then you're going to hold these people like, hey, you know what? Church planners fail. I, I actually would rather have a lower success rate. And I know no, you know, right away people are like, oh, when I heard Peyton Jones say that, I knew I wasn't going to listen to him no more. Okay, goodbye. But here's the point. I'd rather have people trying risky and innovative things. You know, like when Jesus said, hey, when you get into one village and they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. I'd rather be better at failing then just have this like one thing I did and boast of a hundred percent success rate. I'd rather have a lower percentage, but know that I innovated and tried these different things. And that has been my track record. I've done crazy things. And those are the fun stories, not this one church plant with a hundred. If that's what you're doing um, and there's no risk, uh, all movements, by the way, um, where God has advanced the gospel have been, a constant um, just cacophony of failure and risk, failure and risk. And ultimately, you like Thomas Edison said, I just failed longer <laughs> and and more than anyone else when I discovered the light bulb. He kept at it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, we're talking so, about haters. Yeah. So, no, I just, uh, you know, listening to that podcast. I mean, obviously, I don't remember that because i never got the email or anything but um i don't know i find it interesting i find it well, interesting you it said was, that your thoughts on it have changed what, well, what's changed okay first off it was so dang fun to go back and listen to that like a time capsule and you going i was in the car that day and i'm thinking oh man that's hilarious you andrew and me and probably Liberty I don't ever remember being in a car with the two of you <laughs> like that but, i don't remember it but then to remember that I'm in Minneapolis. I remember my sound came on. I thought, man, what happened to my microphone? I was in like, that's when church zero was dropping uh, those weeks. I was in quarters doing interviews, like for the first time ever uh, on that book. And then, you know, like I'm at the Ronald McDonald house. I'm talking about how I hate people and how this like person in the middle of the night was like wanting to talk. And like, this is bad. Cause like people's kids are dying and stuff. And, my daughter was in intensive, you know, NICU. Um, 
it, it was terrible. And I, and I don't want to talk. It's like two, three in the morning. And it was just so fun to go back and hear all that. But, and that might've been part of smack talk. Maybe you guys didn't get to hear all that, but uh, us starting, that's where the little buddy talk started with uh remember that. <laughs> I remember. Like, okay. Hoss. I remember almost being surprised at how like bent out of shape you'd get if someone would make a, a little joke or a short joke. Me too. I was like, dude, who cares? like I look I look back now and I'm like, dude, what was wrong with me? Why why did that stuff bother me? My middle name used to bother me. My middle name is Randolph. Admittedly, it's kind of a dorky name, but it's it's actually Norse and it means wolf shield. So it's kind of butch. But back then, like I don't know, man. Like I I just had weird hangups. I'm still weird. I think I'm just weird different now. Now I'm old weird. So I like birds and nature. So like birds are outside and I get all excited. Like that's new, man. That's happened in the last year. I'm buying books and reading about nature. I'm leaving stuff out for birds. I want as much wildlife in my garden. I used to be like, dude, wildlife, get the heck out of my garden. What are you going to like make a nest in my garage? Get out of here. So now I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm like Snow White. You dude, know, you are I'm, an old man now. Dude, I'm I'm cooking. Did you know I learned to cook this year? I don't even know how to react to that. I learned to cook, dude. I bought like HelloFresh and I sit there with the little guide and I learned to cook and I, I get all excited. I'm cooking tonight. <laughs> I go downstairs and pull the meat out of the freezer. And anyways, we're devolving back into smack talk, which it's like old times. But okay, my perspective change. So I'm sitting there listening to uh, our podcast talking about, um, I've all been out of shape and you and I both came to the conclusion, Hey, cause my initial reaction was, Hey, you're, you've been in church 50 years and you think church is there to serve you. Your church has failed you. And, and I still believe that I would still take that view. However, at the same time, I think we're in a different world now where if you remember um churches dropped by half during covid or more they actually said that they dropped 60% and when people came back only half of them came back so there was a net loss of 30% of church attendees so and some people are saying there's a 50% because post covid like people just feel different I saw an email this morning that said, are you in survival mode? Remember when your newborn was born or this and that? And I thought, man, COVID hit and everyone went into survival mode. And everybody survives differently. Some people survived with margaritas every day. Some people survived by getting super in shape. Looking at you, Pete Mitchell. Different I started people, before. Uh, that's true. That's true. But, you know, different people survive doing different things. Some people got puppies. Right. Other people, uh, who knows? They set goals um, or they started camping. But everybody survived differently. But since we've been back, brother, like I was all about mission and I was all about getting everybody bent on mission so that, and I would tell them, I'd say, look, if you're on mission, you will be best served by being a missionary. You'll, you'll be fed more. You'll be, um, filled with the Holy Spirit more. It'll be the most healthy you can ever be. And I still maintain that. However, um, COVID shifted the mission. The mission now is soul care. 
And I've probably said that before, but if you really want to appeal to people, people have not recovered from COVID yet. There's this deep-seated anxiety and unease about the axe getting ready to fall again. And people were a little shook up after um, the housing crash. I wasn't in America when that happened. But the millennial generation who, A, had to live through 9-11, and then post that had to live through the housing crash, they started you know, opting out of nine to five jobs. They started, you know, investing in tiny homes. Um, They changed their mind shift, their mindset shifted. So enter people now, people are just thinking different now. Um, The use of recreational drugs has skyrocketed way more so than when they first legalized marijuana. People now are just escape is the thing because there's either do the hard work of deal with your stuff, deal with your issues, or escape it. And in the middle of that comes the gospel, where God says, I am the ultimate psychiatrist. I'm the ultimate psychologist. I'm the ultimate healer. I'm the ultimate anxiety mollifier. I am the Lord, your healer. I'm the Lord, your shepherd. Like all of the I am's, you know, of the Old Testament, the New Testament, I'm I'm the Lord, your peace. I'm the Lord, your banner who fights for you. Like, I'm your provider, Yahweh Yaira. I'm the Lord who provides. All of the I am's of who God is, both Old and New Testament, take on this prophetic, timeless thing where we have now, as a culture, gone through a major crisis like our forebears who went through World War One or two or whatever it is. Now this generation knows what it feels like. We've experienced a mind shift. So with that, we kind of have to think about it. You know, I, I've said to the guy I'm planting with, who's a shepherd, he's hell been on mission because he's gone through all my training, but which is really rad when you get a shepherd who's like, show me the mission. But For me now, apostolically, I am like, the mission is soul care. So I've changed. So now hearing that guy's um, letter, I would still feel his churches failed him. Um, They never made him a missionary. But I would actually argue that what he was hungering for when he came was community. And and what I'm saying about this statistic, remember, 60% stopped coming to church, 30% net loss. But here's the irony. During COVID, small group attendances skyrocketed and grew. People, when they surveyed Christians who said, I don't go to church, they're actually going to home studies, home fellowships, small groups. They're finding community, which the church did not offer them. Now, I feel like a prophet because pre-COVID, Like when it all started hitting, I started saying, this is going to expose us. I I always hear people now saying, this is going to expose us. I'm not saying I wrote that or made it up. I always figure if God's speaking to one knucklehead, he's speaking to a bunch of them. But it exposed us. And I said that. And then I said, they won't come back. Here's why. They're going to sit there. And you can go back and listen to these episodes. I literally said, They'll figure out that all we've been doing is providing a show and they'll realize I can, I can watch that show from home. Why do I need to go? 
And that will beg the question, what is church for? Church is for community. Church is for interaction. I have to interact, and I can only do that in a small group. And that's exactly what's happened. So I think that guy was hungering for community, but he was looking for new wine and old wineskins. That's provocative. That's maybe too provocative. I need to, I need to modify that a bit. Am I saying that if you're a big church, that you're an old wineskin? No. What I'm saying is if you're a big church and you're not providing community, and I don't mean coffee and donuts outside the foyer. I mean, are you providing small groups? Rick Warren, still one of my heroes. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's great what you're saying. And I agree with it completely, except for the fact that I don't think that's what that guy was looking for. Because Refuge had community. Yeah, that's true. Refuge had, hey, we're going to stop right now. Here's the question. Discuss it in your small groups. Yeah, that's fair. So I I totally agree with what you're saying, except yeah. as it applies to that dude. <laughs> he really was like, come serve me. Come serve me. Come make me feel good about being in church. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still. But but in his heart of hearts, you know, he, he knew what church ought to be. It ought to yeah. be community. But yeah. you're right, though. He still was. And I mentioned this. He never grew up in Jesus. He grew old right. in Jesus. Right. He, he had never grown up in Christ. So I just think, man, that's, that's kind of a, that's a big deal, you know? Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of my take. That is, that is my piece on wool. <laughs> that's all I got, man. Well, good. Because these are becoming really long episodes because you and I can't stop talking. And then they play or Brooks splices in this big chunk. And it ends is up it, being like, did you see what you like? An hour and 40 minutes or something. I was like, good night, man. It, is it you that can't stop talking though, Pete? Really? Is it you? It's me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> Dude, you guys don't know this. And this is, again, a little bit of a smack talk. But when Peyton was pastoring at Refuge, <laughs> we could tell when he wasn't preaching because the announcements would go on forever. <laughs> like... <laughs> It was no longer just a quick little announcement. It was oh, like, oh, I'm going to get my time in today. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. That's well, so remember, everybody, if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I feel yeah. like I finally get to do the, the closing. I like it. Pete, if you and so-and-so were in a fight, who would win? That used to be your job. You have a new job now. Dude, I still remember that episode when when Ruben was like, I forgot Pete was even on the podcast. Hell <laughs> yeah, the fight question. That's still a trauma. It still exists. Hey, we actually uh, want to bring back hardcore whenever we do an interview. So I can do that without you or I can include you on it. So uh, I think we already know uh, <laughs> you're not going to let anyone else talk. <laughs> like, that is like, probably. Oh, true. I got Alan Hirsch right here. It's just me and him. Forget well, everything hey, else. Before we get off, I do want to just plug something real quick. Uh, those of you that, um, even though Pete shut us out, um, uh, I do want to say the Plantology cohort is starting up May 4th, Star Wars Day. It was going to start on the two-year anniversary of Plantology, uh, which was uh, 420, which I didn't know was a thing. Everybody kept laughing. How like, did you not know that's a thing? I must have lived in Europe or something because I didn't know. I just heard a radio ad today. They're like, make your 420 special. And I'm like, uh, like two years ago, I had no, because everybody's laughing like Plantology 420. 
Hey, maybe somebody at Zondervan thought that was a rad gag. Hey, Church Zero Chichin came out on April 1st, right? April Fool's all those years ago. And we did announce uh, that we were coming out. Our first episode was April Fool's for this podcast. But anyways, I didn't know. But anyways, we're doing a webinar for this. But really, I'm doing the webinar to try to get you into the plantology pathway, which is about, it's over half full right now. So there's not too many slots. But if you want to check it out, go to newbreedtraining.com. You can look, you'll get a little pop-up in a, in a couple seconds. It'll tell you about the uh, Church Plantology webinar. First ever one I'm doing, 20 seats. We'd love to have you. It's going to go 10 weeks, and uh, it's going to be fun. So go on over, sign up for it, and we'll see you then.